Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Fake the Nation, episode 336. Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about culture, and where we wish everyone a very merry Muslim Christmas, because I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and I gotta tell you, I'm uh, your uh, favorite, or third favorite Muslim podcaster, uh, who has gotten really fucking intense about Christmas, especially now that I have a kid. Uh, She is really, she's getting Christmas hard this year. Uh, We are pulling out all of the stops. I even bought an advent calendar, something that I didn't fully understand what that was until recently. Today, we're going to ask if Instagram is over. We're going to talk about book bans and how that's a fun new thing we're seeing all over the country. And we'll also have a very special holiday segment and before we get into the show, I just want to uh, let people know that we're taping exceptionally early this year to kind of um, so that every, so that we can all go about our Christmas shenanigans without um, having to tape a show in the middle. Um, so if there's any news that just happened and it's so big and so crazy and you're like, can't wait to hear us talk about it, we won't be talking about it because, <laughs> because we're taping so early. But I'm joined by, oh my God, such a delightful panel. This is exactly the pre-New Year's uh, panel we've all been wanting in our life. It's the one, I don't know if we even deserve it, 
but we have all wanted it. And here they are. We are joined for the very first time by stand-up comic, writer, lawyer. Yes, she's also a lawyer. I can't, I don't know. It's just, this is the caliber of people that I, I get to have on the show. You can see her on Iconic Justice on Out TV. It is Andrea Coleman. Hey, Andrea. Hey, thank you so much for having me on the show. I'm very excited to be here. The excitement is all mine. We're also joined for the one millionth time by oh, this 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 guy. I mean, I've seen him perform all over the city. I've been seeing him perform in other parts of the country. He's always what he's he's well, first of all, he's always headlining in those situations because he's so fucking great. He should end every show. He should end every show. He's also host of Tell Me Everything on Sirius XM Progress. He's also been picketed by Westboro Baptist Church because he's just like, he's fucking real. You know what I mean? And the best. And he is John saying, Hey, John saying. Wow, Nagin. I want the audio of that to be the new intro on my Sirius XM show. Thank you. I will take that. <laughs> no, I mean it. I'm so excited to have both of you on. And saying, you know, uh, we've known each other for very many years and I continue to just admire the shit out of you. All right. Thank you. Before we get into it, I just want to remind listeners, uh, just as a, as a final act of 2020, what are we? Two? 2022? <laughs> Um, if you want to uh, support the show, you can head over to Patreon at patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. Um, and the bonus episodes of the show, I think, are the funnest segments of the show because we're wild. We're wacky. We we are no holds barred. Not that, it, not that we're holding any bars otherwise. <laughs> but there's a special je ne sais quoi that takes over. So um, go to patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad. And for as little as $4 a month, you get bonus episodes. For a little, as little as $1 a month, you just get to support the show. You don't get anything for it except for just like me thinking you're awesome. All right. Uh, let's get into it with topic number one. Instagram is over, says Kate Lindsay in The Atlantic. Um, she wrote a piece, and to discuss the crux of that claim, let me actually start with the question. Have either of you noticed a change in Instagram in recent months, years? Mm. I have not noticed a change, but I'm I was a baby. A, a, I'm a baby on Instagram. I don't feel like I use it a ton enough to say that I've noticed a change. Um, I'm still trying to get comfortable with it, still trying to <laughs> use it with regularity. So I have not. You might finally learn the ins and outs of Instagram and then it'll be over. <laughs> I know. That's my article. fear. That's my fear. Like I finally got it. And it's like, no, we don't use that anymore. We don't do that anymore. How embarrassing that you just got it. Wow. Um, <laughs> if, if hipsters are saying it's over, it might be on the verge of being interesting. So keep that in mind. It might actually be good. Yeah, that's that. that's actually how it works. The anti-hip aesthetic does somersaults when it comes to this sort of thing. I mean, it, it's social media sites, right? It's it's all Buddhist sand paintings. I mean, the only thing permanent <laughs> is perpetual transience when it comes to what's in right now. Uh, but yet, Nagin, to your question, yeah, I, I noticed that it does look different. It looks exactly like Facebook, which is to say it looks exactly like amateur uh, TikTok. A yeah. lot of videos of people I don't know that I never asked to see that are being suggested to me. And so many damn suggestions, I don't get to see the content of the people I actually do know. And all of these videos seem to be either um, uh, uh, maritime disasters, uh, poorly staged pranks, 
or very young women dancing for a vertical phone camera. That's all I'm seeing on all of these sites. And I, I just I just hope everything's okay at the Zuckerberg house. You know, I just I hope he's doing all right. That's that's my first thought. Wait, I worry can we about dig that in? boy. I mean, for real. But can we dig in a little bit to maritime disasters? I <laughs> I, I see all of these videos of like Why boats. is that served up to you so much? I, I see boats on the rough seas. I see scantily clad women dancing uh, like narcissism, softcore porn. And I see all these terrible pranks. My Facebook verified fan page was was hacked 17 months ago. And all it does now is put out staged prank videos that like my dog yeah, knows are fake those are very popular. And, and this is my this is my my account with like with a blue check mark and we've been going back and forth with <laughs> facebook for only a year and five months and all we get is bots and prayers i mean it, you know these, <laughs> i mean these sites are designed to be obsolete they're designed to not be hip anymore right i mean the second everyone does a thing it mm-hmm. can't. There's no. There's no way it could continue to be to have that same cool. And I also think, you know, you bring up like an excellent point, Fugel saying, which is that like Instagram was the thing where you did see what your friends were up to. TikTok, I think from the get-go, has been the thing where you don't see friends. You right. see a bunch of random strangers, and like I guess that's what you want out of that. <laughs> Although I want to say, I don't want anything out of any of these things. <laughs> like I don't – they have not designed a social media platform that I find – just great like it just doesn't I have not felt good about any of them I think they all are designed to make me personally Nagin Farsad feel bad and mm. I also think legions of 15 year old girls around the world so like, yes. I mean you know it's the it's the inner 15 year old inside of me but um one thing that they put it out in the article is that Gen Z's this is I'm quoting quote Gen Z's relationship with Instagram is much like millennials relationship with Facebook begrudgingly necessary which I think it kind of goes to show for that moment there was like that delete Facebook movement. And, you right. know, I don't think it went that mm. far. But we all sort of were like, well, but it is kind of like the yellow pages. Like if someone <laughs> needs to find me, you right, <laughs> Andrea? I don't know. Did you did you have Facebook, Andrea? I definitely had Facebook. I still have Facebook. It's the site where like my people from my church can find me there. And like my my parents, like that's accessible for them. So to me, Instagram was like, OK, higher level my my dad has like three Instagrams and goes on none of the accounts and doesn't remember his password to any of them. <laughs> I love he so keeps I felt making like, accounts. <laughs> how how could I follow him? Right. <laughs> exactly. Um, and so I felt like, oh, I thought Instagram was like, okay, this is the more like cool hip. And now I'm finding after reading this article that it is not. Um, but I did I did notice, yeah, I'm getting a lot of targeted ads more so than I used to on Instagram. Yeah. Which is to be honest, sometimes helpful. I've bought quite a few things um, and some of them have actually fit. It's funny. I So my husband uh, also just started Instagram and TikTok. He, he really <laughs> held out. I mean, like he probably opened these <laughs> accounts like two weeks ago. And by the way, follow him, Jason Tottenham, like Tottenham, like the sports team in the UK. Um, and uh, he, so he's trying to put, like kind of post the stuff that he loves to do that just comedy little pieces or whatever. And it's funny because we were like, he was like, oh, can you show me how to like caption a video? And I was like, oh yeah, let's fire it up and I'll show you. And we fired up and the first thing is just like 
a girl and there's boobs and it's yeah. unclear. You know what I mean? And I was like, Ugh! and it was it's all it's also weird. Like when you're like opening something with your husband and he was like, ah, you know, and she was young. So he ma- it made him feel like really extra horrible anyways. And it is there is I think there's like that, that stuff where you're like, I don't no one I know is a young lady like really showing their boobs and like so <laughs> I shouldn't see it like technically right if I'm not following um but also one of the things that I feel like I've personally noticed is what you're talking about Andrea of like I feel like the, I'm just being sold stuff and I'm mm-hmm. and I have fallen victim to it once I fell victim to it once and it, the product was so dumb that like once it arrived in the mail that I was like, I can't even tell you guys, but I'm so embarrassed by this product. And you, you are it, cheating oh your listeners. God. You oh are defiling okay, the sacred bond is. of host and audience <laughs> if you don't tell what it was. Please. It's a, it's it's a, a safe pair space. Of, it's a pair of like legging tights that, that make it, <laughs> so embarrassed, that make it look like you're wearing pantyhose, like, ni- like oh, 1980s sheer pantyhose. I saw that ad. But they're thin. Thick, but yeah. like they're you wear them in the winter, so it's like you could be walking in twenty degree weather, and people are like, oh my god, is she wearing like sheer pantyhose? Okay, I'm not. They're th- but it looks so when you actually it was just like not look, and maybe this product were for other people. I don't want to like besmirch whatever business this is, um, but it was. I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed be, to be like roped in and hoodwinked by this thing <laughs> and to have spent money on it and like what and to like have wasted carbon emissions on on a package being delivered to my home. Like forget all of that. Embarrassing. Nice. I'm sorry I did it. But no, no, no. But I Please. think you're, it's hard when you're constantly being served up this garbage um, to to withstand it. I have to say, Nagin, I saw the ad I almost bought the pantyhose now I won't Please because don't. of your because of your experience but I have bought <laughs> some things on I have bought some things I'm like this is a great company and I've bought a few items from there and have been really happy but um yeah it's not I mean ideally I I would be seeing photos and videos of people that I that I like and that I enjoy and I don't mind being exposed to people that I've never that I didn't mm-hmm. don't know personally but yeah. I'm like oh like I like their vibe I like what they're doing I want right. to see what's up with them so in some instances I'm okay with it I'm just disturbed that uh the algorithm kept showing me advertisements for 1980s era pantyhose that that's what <laughs> troubles me the most about this Oh my god you're I and I think Men on Instagram probably have it easier because I think the these products are really I mean the market for women's stuff is just is probably oversaturated. Let's be honest about something. Religion aside, uh, 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 fundamentalist religion aside, for years we've had you know a consistent source of uh, insecurity and shame for young women through all ages, and that was beauty magazines. And, you know, when Mm. print went downhill, there was a real danger. How will the culture make women so insecure and hate themselves so much they'll spend money they don't have on products they don't need? How can we do it? And lo and behold, it's like the beauty magazine gods brought us these social media sites, so many of which seem designed to keep this, if you'll pardon the expression, beauty industry going. I mean, it, it, it depends on insecurity. It depends on making women feel like, 
you're not enough. And of course, you know, magazines, I think, were much worse than Instagram because so much of it was like, men are slime. Here's how to attract them. So yeah, we're constantly, constantly being sold stuff on these sites. And, you know, I, I started off wanting to be an artist who created art. Then I realized, oh, I've got to settle for being an influencer who creates content. And now it's just, I hope I can get seen through all the ads. Oh, no, that's exact. And, and let me share some of the details from this piece. Um, the, a survey found that 14,500 teens surveyed across 47 states. Um, of those, only 20% name Instagram, their favorite social media platform, TikTok and Snapchat actually came um, first. And then um, and Instagram users spend 17.6 million hours a day watching Reels. Um, on Instagram compared to, and this I thought was a crazy number, TikTok had 197.8 million hours of people spent watching TikTok. Also, I think, I mean, it's like when you add up these numbers, they just sound so fucking insane. Like go outside and go for a walk. I don't know, but- um, People are watching the videos while they walk, Nagin. (laughs) (laughs) They're doing doing this stroll challenge or whatever on TikTok. You know, one of the things that people have cited, right, so this is, I think, what we're all kind of driving at here with our complaints is that there's been a series of algorithm changes um, of these attempts to kind of copy and parrot the feature features of other apps, right? Like they st- they stole the thing about a 24-hour story on from Snapchat. They stole right. reels from TikTok. Um, and in doing so, they've disenchanted users who have been sticking around. Um, do you think... An app like this sort of owes it to users, like, this is crazy, not to change? <sighs> no. The app, uh, yeah. The <laughs> app is responsible. They're responsible to their shareholders. At the end of the day, this is a capitalism problem. And, you know, there might be a, a hunger for a nostalgia for things not to change. But, again, it's all Buddhist sand paintings. It's, they're, they're all going to be not hip no matter what they do. And eventually they'll be hip again. I mean, people who are tired of Instagram now in 10 years will be fed nostalgia for it, a whole different kind of marketing. Oh, yeah. It's always about what's hip. And that's always going to keep on changing and shifting and being debatable. I mean, if the site makes you happy, that's terrific. And it's inevitable that these sites will continue to change because – Again, Zuckerberg's not here to show you a good time. He's here to show profit to his shareholders. And they're going to be desperately chasing that and messing with things that work. Um, I can think of a couple of other social media sites where we're witnessing that right now. <laughs> um, well, here, here's something that the, the, the piece said. I'll, I'll close on this question to you, Andrea. They wrote, its decline is about not just a loss of relevance, but a capitulation to a new era of performance media in which we create online primarily to reach people we don't know instead of the people we do. Now, you're a newbie, like Fugelsang referenced this a little bit. You're a newbie to Instagram. Do you feel like you're performing? Well, I'm a comedian, so yes, I feel like I'm performing <laughs> yes. all almost all the time, but I don't have a problem with that. I think right. there's a way to infuse performing with authenticity. Um, I I think it comes into play. I mean, I'm an adult woman. So me performing is with the awareness of all of my years of being on the planet. I think it's a little bit different when we're talking about 14 year olds, 15 year olds who are performing at a time when maybe they need to get in touch more with who they actually are. Yes. Um, But I also think that if, if people stop using the app or using certain features of the app, then that is going to affect the money and then they will adjust the app again. So I do have some, faith in that that not that I have faith in them 
making changes or going back to the way things were for altruistic reasons, but more because, okay, well, this is affecting whether or not people want to use the product. Like I was thinking about that quote in the article, make Instagram Instagram again, that mm-hmm, um, yeah. I think it was like Toddy Brunig or something uh, wrote that and then Kylie Jenner um, liked it and shared it or whatever. I do think um, that concept, that that sentiment will inspire Instagram to be Instagram again if it affects their money. Absolutely. And I think you're. it's funny. Yeah. Th- this question of are you performing is silly for the three of us. We should be performing, right? Like that's actually <laughs> our, our fucking job description. So it makes sense for us to perform. I think when when the when the performances, you're right, the 15 year old girls or even in what I just like, I don't know, like I see people like whatever my age that are like, you know, um, like. Uh, accountants or whatever there's no (laughs) fundamental it's like I still see them that are they're like doing a thing and they're like trying to get followers and I'm like but why like you have a job you have a family like (laughs) what are we doing here you know what I mean like why are you performing for fucking numbers and um and so I think like it's funny because it's like the 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 platform kind of makes sense for us that's what we do um but uh, it's all dopamine it's look there's one there's one drug issue in America and that is dopamine, those little tiny squirts in our brain of pleasure that we, th- that we think are happiness. And that's what social media sells. You get a like, someone, someone writes to you, there's something that pleases you. You get this brief, brief little high from it, and we keep coming back for more. And that's advertising 101, and social media has just taken it to another level where it's almost an evolutionary expectation. There's never going to be enough. And it's why it's so easy to get hooked on this stuff. And it's why it's so easy to burn out on this stuff. Folks, let me know. Do you think that Instagram is dead? Uh, Or are you, um, I don't know, hoping for it to find its former ways? I'm curious to hear your thoughts uh, on, and and share those thoughts on Instagram. Um, or or t- Twitter that may be dying. I don't know. Um, we are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue our chat. Today's show is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions. It monitors your spending. It helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. I have used Rocket Money. And you guys, honestly, I had no idea how many things I was subscribing to that I didn't want to be subscribing to. I think we all go into, we enter into subscriptions with a Pollyanna view that we're going to use as a subscription, even though it's a super obscure, you know, education app from Albania that uh, teaches Russian math or whatever. And then you're like, I'm never going to use this. Why did I get it? I should remember to cancel it. And then you don't. And I know you guys are like me and I know you've done this to yourselves. And guess what? 75% of people have subscriptions that they've forgotten about. So we're all in this bucket. And I think paying for that stuff is so angering and Rocket Money is there to help. Because basically Rocket Money shows you, hey, look at this is what all the things you are subscribed to. But then here's the bigger thing. 
to unsubscribe. You don't have to go through the whole rigmarole. Rocket Money unsubscribes for you with a click of a button. It's so easy. The other thing Rocket Money did for me, which I was incredibly grateful for, was reduce the cost of one of my bills. It was my cable bill. Yes, I still have cable. Rocket Money has over 5 million users that have saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. I mean, that tracks for me and for the number of things I was paying for that I'm frankly ashamed of. So thank you, Rocket Money, for like fixing the shame glaze on my life. Uh, so stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Again, that's rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation. Rocketmoney.com slash fake the nation, you guys. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. back and we're ready for topic number two. So there are some conservative groups around the country whose main thing is banning books. Takes for, take, for instance, the Keller Independent School District just outside of Dallas. They just banned any book that included the concept of gender fluidity. So, I mean, what, I guess my first question, and, and John, I know that you follow this and you have a particular uh, relationship to kind of religious institutions. Um, what do you think of this tactic we can call it or is it a sincere effort on the part of some parents uh what is what is the obsession with this recent spate of book bannings i mean it shows once again that current events are not current doesn't it i mean it keeps coming around Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, it's mm -hmm. always in the guise of christianity always always christ is cover christ is camouflage for this and it's always to try to keep children from being aware of something that has nothing to do with the teachings of Christ. Uh, It is very telling that almost all of the books they are trying to ban deal with the African-American experience, the female experience, or the LGBT experience. Uh, This is provincial people who don't like what they don't understand, and they haven't actually read their holy books. So instead of loving the stranger and welcoming those who are different, they need to demonize it. And again, it's another drug high for spiritually weak people. Uh, It's how politicians get elected. I mean, Donald Trump got elected on this exact kind of morality. Ron DeSantis may become elected president on this exact kind of morality. Uh, I mean, it's spiritually and intellectually no different from DeSantis taking a bunch of migrants who've broken no laws and using COVID funds to ship them to another state from Texas just to burnish his own cruelty credentials. Mm-hmm. These book bannings are all the same thing. They're they're always anti-cerebral. It's always authoritarian. It's what the Khmer Rouge did. It's what the Third Reich did. Uh, all cultures know this. And it is a, it's always a sign. And so I'm a big fan of this debate. I think we should talk about it because it's going to be happening 100 years from now too. This is how totalitarianism works. Um, it wraps itself up in a very false religion that has mm-hmm. nothing to do with the teachings of the Nazarene whatsoever. And 
you always try to get support from the white majority by making them feel like they are under siege by a marginalized minority that can in no way hurt them. So this is trans girls in sports, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. this is, you know, the Christian refugees at our southern border that we call illegals. This is Syrian war refugees. It's the same thing they always do. And um, it's totally predictable. And we have a responsibility to call it out and make fun of them. Andrea? I, I mean that was excellent, uh, and, and it was uh, beautiful. Yeah, it was like a sermon. And you, I know you, John. Don't you have a? Aren't you a former member of the clergy? No, no, wow, no. They, they. I was, I was too neurotic. Uh, I, I was deemed too much of a sex deviant to join the, the church. Um, no, my mother was a, my mother was a nun, and my father was a Franciscan brother for many years. So okay. you know, I, my whole, my work, my, my shtick is all about um, separation of church and hate. And it's all about, you know, the very wide chasm between Jesus and his many unauthorized fan clubs. <laughs> well, I mean, I that must be why I thought you were a member of the clergy because of your parents' relationship yeah. to the church. But um, yeah, I think it's unfortunate, the book banning. But I also, or they're not calling it book banning, they're calling it something else, but, but it's essentially book banning. Um, I'm wondering if it might make some of these books more interesting and fun to read. If the students are like, oh, we're not supposed to read this. And they're sneaking behind like the locker rooms and like These authors have hit the lotto. That's what I forgot to say. These authors have hit the lotto. The estate of Toni Morrison (laughs) is going to cash in from this. I'm so sorry. (laughs) No, I agree. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about the possibility of that. And I do have to say, you know, it's interesting. I come from, there are a lot of teachers in my family. My dad's a teacher. Most of my aunts and cousins are teachers and those that aren't teachers they're like uh like members of the clergy so I think it's so interesting I mean I think what a lot of teachers mostly what they're dealing with is like just read any book I don't care what book just any (laughs) book please read it and let's talk about it um but yeah I'm hoping this makes it a little bit sexy but I agree like let's talk about it let's have spirited debate like I'm a I'm a lawyer and I do think that everything it's better when you've got two opposing viewpoints and they're willing to like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's uh, get our debates out there. Let you get your best arguments. I'll get my best arguments and let's, let's talk, let's dish. You know what? Okay. So here's something that, uh, that I find interesting about all of this is the, the parents involvement in it. Um, Because so for example, the thing in Keller, uh, the Keller independent school district was or organized by something called Patriot Mobile, which is a cell phone service, but also has like an organizing arm. So they basically poured thousands of dollars into into getting, um, you know, pro book banning or conservative um, people on school boards. So they they really helped um, promote these school board races. And you know, there's another there's another group in Florida called the Florida Citizens Alliance doing the same thing. And as a parent. Um, and I know fuel signs a parent. Are you a parent, Andrea? I'm not. Okay. Uh, you 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 may still weigh in, but <laughs> as, a parent, as a parent that's like involved in my kid's school. I mean, look, my kid is in pre-K, so like I have just years of getting involved in stuff. So I'm I'm barely you know scratching the surface of what will come. I'm sure. But what I'm worried about is always, I think, resources class size, making sure there are enough teachers, making sure the teachers are good, making sure the teachers don't quit, 
Um, as a parent, are you surprised, Fugel, saying, to the devotion to this thing that isn't <laughs> primarily about resources? I'm sort of like baffled that any parent thinks about this over the 75 other things that are like actually more important. Yeah, yeah. No one cares. And, and you know, uh, and you can oftentimes predict this. I mean, these are these are the trolls, right? And this is the comment section come to life. And, you know, yeah, parents have real concerns other than the fact that their child, you know, might read a book that makes them hate gay people less. I mean, they always want to say it's grooming. It's, gro- <laughs> oh, you know, you're grooming children to think that LGBT lifestyles are normal. Well, I was groomed to despise and fear LGBT people. We've all been groomed uh, with things of uh, that are more the hangups of dead guys than any real morality. So it just makes me so angry because we're always going to see it because we're not going to run out of idiots. Just imagine if we actually (laughs) fully funded, if we had a fully, if we, if our patriotism meant the best public school system on earth, you might in a generation or two run out of parents who are dumb enough to ban books in public schools. It just might happen if we invested more in educating smart people. I, yes, I mean, I also love that the idea that that you were groomed in a particular fashion and it didn't take. Um, I was groomed to hate gay people. My peer group, uh, you know, boys are pack animals. My peer group groomed me to understand that that that's the one group you're allowed to hate and it's moral too. You get, the, the more you hate gay people, the better Christian you are. That's grooming. Now, you know, the entire thing has gone insane. The modern right wing is so spiritually bankrupt and the Democratic Party is so terrified to call them out for their spiritual hypocrisy. Why Democrats will not bring the damn Bible into this and take away their camouflage is beyond me, that now it's at a place where if you say, you know what, I think transgender taxpaying citizens deserve basic human dignity, there's somebody on Twitter who will call you a pedophile groomer. I mean... (laughs) It's nuts. It's nuts. That's where we're at now. Andrea... Final question is for you, and and this I'm I'm uh, looking at your legal background here. Um, this dude Keith Flaw, Florida Citizens Alliance, uh, which is a conservative group focused on um, education in Florida, he he said this is not about banning books; it's about protecting the innocence of our children and letting the parents decide what the child gets, rather than having government schools indoctrinate our kids. You're a lawyer you deal you know you deal with arguments right this doesn't seem like a crazy position if 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 mr flog or fluff or whatever were to come to me with that you know i'm like well yeah i i, I can see someone a parent being like i mean yeah i guess the parent should decide what the kid gets to read or whatever um what do you say in that situation well, there's a couple things I would say. First, I would say, well, you're absolutely welcome to decide what books your child reads if they are homeschooled, if you'd like to educate them yourselves. I would also say if you'd like to weigh in on what your child is reading and their perspective on a piece of literature, we would really welcome that. How about you read the book as well and then have a conversation with them Ooh, over the dinner table about nice. what you agree with and what you don't? Because I have to say I was a voracious reader as a kid. And I was so voracious, I would just pull books out of my parents' closet to read. I remember I read King Rat at too young of an age and was reading about uh, POW camps and 
dysentery at a time that I should have probably had some parental supervision to say like, you know what, you're eight. This is bo- this book is not for you. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, even though most of the books I was reading were about girls getting their period, which is what right. I was obsessed with. I was right. so desperate to get my period. It would have been great if I had an adult to kind of, I don't know, kind of like hold my hand through the nuances of all the strong yeah. emotions that are are in the books of like Sleepover Friends, which was my favorite series next to Babysitter's Club. But like my parents weren't that involved. Like they had full time jobs and they didn't have time for it. But I think if these parents are really that passionate, um, I welcome that passion. That's amazing that you have all this extra time. Um, sit with your child and talk with them about what you read. That's what I would say. Can I can I, I say yeah. one more thing? Can I yeah, add one more, one thing? more thing? I'm sorry. Close us out. It's not possible to groom a child to be gay. Just like it's not possible to groom a child to be transgender. So as someone uh, who was also a voracious reader, I mean, when I was 13, I was so into King Lear and, and the average evangelical parent would ban that play if they knew it was in it. But, you know, if a child, if a, if a straight child is so curious about the world he or she lives in that they want to read a book about the transgender experience or, or queer experience, then congratulations, you're raising a smart, empathetic, curious child. What are you scared about? You just won. Oh, and like, just why do they, why are you looking at the world through LGBTQ colored glasses? Like, it's like everywhere they look, they're just seeing like gay people and I don't know I don't even know how it's like I live in New York City and I don't even see as much like like constant I'm not confronted with it or or maybe I'm just like I don't care so I don't see I don't know but it's just stop read like seeing that everywhere you go like you don't need to like it's just weird to me it's like that's the only thing I would love to hear about another policy platform Um, (laughs) you know I would love to know what animates these parents because ultimately like I mean I don't live in a district like that but what if you do what if you live in a district where these some of these conservative parents are there you need to have some common ground. You guys, you, you conservative parents and the liberal parents are on the same team. And that team is make sure these kids learn something and grow up to be good adults, good, kind, smart, thoughtful adults. That's the team that we're all on. So the, everything, all this other shit is is just uh, noise and it's just a, it is a tactic. All right, let us move on to topic number three. Folks, this is our holiday segment, and I just want to spend a minute here um, figuring out what we're all grateful for, and we're going to do it by category. There are no moments to this. There are no rules to this moment of gratitude. It could be about things big or small, and the first category is cultural. I'll go first. Um, I was thinking about the TV and film arena. I actually love TV. I love movies. I love going to the movies, like physically going to the movies. Um, I don't get to do it enough because of work and parenting, but I absolutely relish it. And this year, I'm just grateful for one very ridiculous um, night at the movies with my mom. Um, I went and saw Ticket to Paradise. She absolutely loves and worships George Clooney. And, um, and I, look, I grew up with George Clooney and Julia Roberts as these like, you know, icons of American cinema. And so it was, uh, seeing the two of them on a, in what was it Bali or 
Indonesia or something. It was an island in that area, region of the world. To see them, um, you know, in a tropical island uh, was just uh, just a pure joy at the cinema. Um, I also can't stop thinking about the movie The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent with Nicolas Cage. It was really, really funny. Um, so if you haven't seen that, he plays himself and it's just really fucking funny. Um, I also want to say on a cultural note that I love a light show. Uh, so one of the things that happens at Christmas time is that like I do drag uh, people I know to the Saks Fifth Avenue light show. That one's free. Um, I go like there's a there's a street in Palm Springs when we go to visit my parents called Minerva, where every house on the street does um, lights on their house, including the one that begrudgingly does like three lights and they're just annoyed that they live on that street. Um, but I just love it. I love it so much. I love going to the, um, the, the New York Botanical Gardens. They do a beautiful light show. I love going to the, um, the Brooklyn Botanical Dark Garden does a light show. I mean, take me to a light. I love a light show. So just here's to my, my cultural appreciation for those things. Um, now, Andrea, your turn. Uh, well, I just have to say thank you for reminding me about the George Clooney movie because I really want to see that and I've forgotten about it. I haven't oh, seen it yes, yet. Yes, see it. Absolutely. But I, I was also thinking along the television, the entertainment route, I am extremely grateful for the Netflix show. I guess it's it shows on Netflix, The Great British Baking Show. Yeah, That show is like, it's like a salve, <laughs> a balm for my yeah. heart, uh, for my Brooklyn living heart it's um and particularly this year they had a version that was uh kids so it's anywhere from i think eight to 15 year old kids baking and they're not they're not professional bakers even the adults on the show they're not professional bakers and they bake something and these kids i mean if i don't i always cry at least once an episode and i (laughs) love that because the kids will make a mistake, like they'll mix up salt for sugar, and they're like, "Oh, oh goodness!" Yes. And but some they're so some of them are so encouraging of themselves, like you know what, keep going, you can do it, like talking to themselves, like encouraging themselves, or like with the adults, they help each other out a lot. Where it's like, "Oh my gosh, we only have one minute left, and I haven't frosted my cookies or whatever," so then people will run over to help them. Um, I'm really grateful for that show. It has gotten me through a lot of tough times and moments. Um, And then I also have to give a shout out to Brooklyn because I started running this year and something that uh, happens when you're living in New York. I don't think it's just New York. I've actually had the experience in Florida too, where I'll be running and I will be losing, losing steam. And uh, somebody will run by me and they're like, you can do it. And oh, yes, I'm like, I love I'm gonna, that. I'm going to cry. Thank you, random stranger. <laughs> like, um, I really love that we do that for each other sometimes uh, oh, when yes. we really need it. A random act of kindness will literally make me weep. <laughs> it's just absolutely with something unexpected like that. Fugel saying, what do you have? Well, my my number one cultural thing is also my number one personal thing. So I'll I'll save it for the next category. But okay. but there was so much um, cultural over the year. It's 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 hard to keep track of it all. I mean, everything everywhere all at once uh, was just a level of cinema that um, you know that's a movie that is truly better the second time. It's just astonishing it even got made. 
Um, Heather McGee's The Sum of Us, which is one of the best books about oh, racism I've so ever good. read. So good. She did good. my show twice this year, and I've just got, I, I'm just brilliant. astonished by how brilliant she is. Um, oh, even sorry, like, Fugelson, can you tell the listeners because I think they would like this book quickly what she does in that book? The Sum of Us is a book where Heather McGee, who's a brilliant uh, uh, black academic, pretty much shows how racism has hurt white people. And how racism has been used to hurt white people for decades. How racism was used to break up unions because the management was able to tell hard work and conservative white men, you want those black guys making the same amount as you? And they've been using racism. This is what authoritarianism does. And when poor white people realize they have more in common with poor black and brown people than they do with rich white people, you might see some real progress in this country. It's it's a very moving and moral book. It's beautifully written. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, The Peacemaker on HBO Max, uh, just completely vulgar, hilarious, but also deeply moral. The story about um, a, a racist superhero who gradually comes to understand how and why he is racist, because he doesn't think he is in the beginning. And it's by James Gunn, who left Guardians of the Galaxy to take over DC. Uh, even if you don't like superhero stuff, it is the sharpest satire of the year. Oh my God. I love those. Um, let's. Oh, and Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen covering the Commodores. That that was also wonderful. <laughs> oh, I, and I just want to throw into the, to the pile the show The Bear on FX. It was so, so good. And it's about um, a, a, a shop in Chicago that makes um, beef sandwiches. And it's like really incredible. My description does, does it no justice, but it's very, very good. Um, okay, so on a political front, I want to, I'm very grateful for the very many surprises of the recent elections. I mean, that's not a very hot take, but I am even places like Alaska, like really just changed it up. And I'm just like, um, I'm grateful that like people in places can still surprise us that we're not so, and I have been saying this shit for years, not to be like, I'm right again, because I already had my I'm right moment, but like. We, I, it's like I, I, I've been to so many places in America. I know that all three of us have, right, as comics, and you just get a different sense when you're there that we're we're not all these monsters that like this kind of like social media, blah blah blah. We're not monsters, um, and uh, and so and and I think we saw that with with results like that we had in the elections. And I also just want to point out, uh, and I I'm very grateful to the women of Iran who have been carrying a revolution on their backs. Again, we're taping this very many days in advance, um, so I don't have the latest information on Iran for you guys. But um, but man, the bravery, the fucking bravery. We don't know what it's like to have to do that or we haven't for for a couple of generations now. And it's um it's truly it's truly incredible. It's and it's awe inspiring. Uh Fugel saying what do you got? On a are we into personally? Personal We're gratitude? We're into now? political. That was political. Oh, polit- oh, well political gratitude is easy for me. Uh old Joe Biden. Old Joe Biden yeah. is my my favorite <laughs> Joe Biden of all the Joe Bidens I've ever had in my life. I remember as a kid, uh, I didn't love Joe Biden as a kid, but I, I yeah. liked anti, anti-apartheid anti 80s Joe Biden was pretty cool. Uh, and then there were a lot of Joe Bidens I didn't like so much. Um, I thought he was a great choice for Barack Obama's VP. It was very shrewd. But old Joe Biden, if you had told me 20 years ago that old 
80-year-old Joe Biden would be decriminalizing weed on the federal level and yeah, fighting to forgive cool. half the student loan debt in this country, that he would help bring child poverty to the lowest rate in recorded history in 2021, that he'd have bring manufacturing of electronics back to this country and be passing laws to help disabled veterans and just doing it with uh, the most threadbare of majorities. Old Joe Biden gets shit done, Nagin. This guy's like a lesbian Scientologist. <laughs> he, old Joe, let's elect a hundred-year-old guy after this, and this is how much shit he gets done in a day. So um, there's a lot of things that, you know, he can improve on. Uh, I, I certainly think uh, the railway workers deserve their paid leave. And one of the things I like about old Joe Biden that I can't say about a lot of old white men, old Joe Biden listens to criticisms and grows and learns from it. He is the model that you can be an old white man and still be aware enough to evolve uh, with the times you live in. And in that sense, I think he's an inspiration to all of us that when we become that old, uh, may we still keep on growing morally and, and mentally and, uh, and growing with the times we live in. God, yeah, I like that. Old Joe Biden. Andrea, what do you got? Well, I I practice law in New York, and uh, I'm primarily in Brooklyn and Manhattan. So my political gratitude has to do with the black female judges that are in Brooklyn. And so one of my favorite judges um, just got moved up to the, a higher court in Brooklyn, Judge Paul. And then there's like a whole host of black female judges uh, that are on the higher court that I think are fantastic and um just incredibly supportive and inspiring for me as a as a woman of color to see them on the bench. And I've had the opportunity to try many cases in front of them, argue many motions. And I will I always love seeing a black woman at the judge's bench. And I could list all of my faves that are in Brooklyn. <laughs> I don't know that I need to do that, but I have um I have a few. So I'm I'm really grateful for them. You know, it's funny. I was just um, on an episode of Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me and um, was reminded, I forgot this about her, but that Kataji Brown Jackson, uh, who now sits on the Supreme Court, was on an improv troupe um, at Harvard with uh, another Wait, Wait panelist, Mo Rocca. <laughs> And I don't know, I just, I it, as you were saying this about black, I was I was wondering, like, I would like to do a study on how many uh, black female judges have improv backgrounds. <laughs> oh, my God. I I would love to head up that study with you. Um, I mean, I feel like everyone wants to know, you know, so. Um, OK, well, we're going to close on our personal, my personal. I, you know, I was trying to think of like something specific and not to, you know, because obviously the saccharine shit is obviously that I'm grateful for my family and I am and they're awesome. But one of the things that I'm grateful for is it just feels like in, in this world where things are so overscheduled and difficult to like for things to happen. I saw a bunch of my oldest friends, not once, but twice this year. Um, and it just felt like kind of remarkable uh, that it happened because we're all scattered. We're all over the country. These are friends of mine from California and um, from when I was, a you know, a teen. And uh, and so I, I thought I, I thought to myself, like, ever being able to see my old friends who are now all over the country in the world um, is feels like such an accomplishment and it's just, it makes me so happy. Um, John, what do you got? Well, for me, it was being able to travel again. Uh, yeah. You know, I, for, for two years I was saying, uh, oh, I, I, left, I left stuff in the fridge in LA. <laughs> and 
I finally went back to LA after two years and I had in fact left stuff in the fridge. Um, <laughs> and I wound up going back to LA four times. I went to, I got to go back to DC four times this year. I got to go back to London and Chicago this year. It was so nice to be working uh, and performing and traveling. But my, my greatest personal moment of the year was my greatest cultural. Uh, during the pandemic, at one point it got so bad here in New York I, I said to myself, if, if Paul McCartney ever tours again, Lord, I'm taking my child to see Paul McCartney. So he can grow up and say his first concert was Paul. And I'm like, I don't care if my kid's too young for a damn concert. If it ever happens, I'm taking him. And Paul McCartney played a show here in, in Jersey uh, two days before he turned 80. And I dragged my child out there to see it. And I, I got really good seats. And Bruce Springsteen came out and sang with him oh. and uh, sang Happy Birthday. And I'm, I'm in a stadium with 80,000 people, which I never thought would happen again after COVID-19. And I was not worried. And there was no outbreak. There was no super spreader event. And, um, and my kid, when he's old, he'll be able to say that uh, when COVID-19 lifted, his dad took him to see Paul Aww, McCartney. And that's beautiful. I, yeah, I, I hope he gets a lot, of, uh, a lot of sex in college from that. So that, that was my, <laughs> my holy moment. Andrea, what do you have? I, so I'm a, probably a nature of being a lawyer is I'm very judgmental person. I love logic. <laughs> and so because of that, I have a lot of strong feelings against things that I don't, can't see and don't understand. But, um, you know, I, I was feeling intuitively that I needed to start studying some more non-traditional kinds of healing modalities like Reiki and shamanism. And so right I have to say that I'm really grateful for myself because I became a Reiki master this year and a shamanic practitioner. Wow. And while still feeling a lot of judgment in the classes, but then I had all these, <laughs> I'm like, I could be judgmental and also do a reading on you. Um, and I had the experience of feeling, uh, there's quite a bit of logic in Reiki. And um, so I'm really just, I got to say, I'm proud of myself. I can't believe I was willing to hold my judgment, but still um, stay the course. I truly did not think that Reiki and Paul McCartney would both make an appearance in this segment. I'm very proud of us for that. All right. And that is the end of the show. Oh, my God. It was so amazing having you guys on um, for this pre-Christmas episode. And what I would love in this holiday season is for everybody to follow everything that you do. Andrea Coleman, where do they do that? Well, if Instagram is still a thing when this comes out, <laughs> you can find me on Instagram at Andrea Coleman Comedy or my website is Andrea Coleman Comedy or my new Reiki website or my Reiki Instagram is Healing with Andrea Coleman. Amazing. Follow all of those things. Um, and, and you know, I don't know, get an energy reading. Um, John Fugelsang, where do people find you? I'm at johnfugelsang.com. Follow me at johnfugelsang on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and Mastodon and Truth Social. No, not Truth Social. Uh, uh, Grinder, I think. I'm on Grinder and uh, Counter Social, Tribal, and uh, SiriusXM. Progress, Channel 127, three hours every night, five nights a week. You can listen to us on SiriusXM's app or on demand. And uh, this year, they let us begin having a free podcast of our show every day. So you can hear uh, a shortened version of our show with all the celebrities and everything uh, the next morning on the John Fugelsang podcast, available wherever you get them. 
Oh, my God. I mean, you folks know that I think that you should be immediately subscribing to that podcast and otherwise listening to him on Sirius and otherwise finding him performing live in your city. And as for me, you know where to find me on all of the things. Thank you so much for your um, for for all of your support this year. We will have a really special and fun New Year's episode coming at you next week. Or sorry, it, it's I think it's technically the Taint Week episode. It's the episode between Christmas and New Year. So that is... Um, um, uh, what you'll have uh, next week. And um, what I would really love to do is thank all of the people that make this show a possibility. That's our wonderful, wonderful producer, Andrew McGuire, our fantastic audio engineer, Stephanie Aguilar. Um, I'm grateful for Gobby Alter. I'm grateful for HeadGum. I'm grateful. I didn't mention to, to Andrew and Stephanie, who for so many um, months now have been making this show just be wonderful and uh that is just in very 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 large part to their very hard work and so i'm very grateful to them um and please uh hit me up on all of the social media platforms that we, sh- we should all be avoiding and please um let me know if you have any ideas for guests or panels or anything uh don't forget to join our patreon at patreon.com slash farsad and we will be back in your earballs next week That was a HeadGum Podcast.